Good morning, people of the internet. You're listening to Debbie Radio's 79.5 FM podcast, where we discuss the movie Gross Point Blank one minute at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Deb. And I'm the other co-host, Hugh. And on today's show, we're going to be looking at minute 39 of the film, in which Terry leaves very sharply, Martin apologizes to his buddy Paul, and, well, we'll take it from there. And joining us uh, today, as he has been all this week, David Brooke of Blueprint Review and DCB Productions. Hello again, David. Hello, hello, yes. Back again. Excellent. Yes. All right. We've we've gotten rid of, of, of the the minutes that I, I struggle through and we're back on, <laughs> I think, some like grade A plot here. Um we've got as um Hugh was was just mentioning between between episodes, um Terry re recreating uh Gross's exit from earlier in the film with some some good uh peel out and uh burnt rubber. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, with the addition, with the addition of a little bit of uh, a whoop from the siren, which was uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, definitely going to amuse the uh, the residents of this neighborhood. They're going to appreciate uh, <laughs> screeching tires and and sirens when it's not necessary. So I'm sure he'll face no repercussions for that one. <laughs> oh dear! It just speaks, but literally, it's what he wants to be, right? Like, like that's Terry. I, I, I mean, I'm sure, it's, as I said, I'm sure it's just an in-joke by the Sun Drivers, you know, to have Terry do exactly what Grosser did. But I also wonder if that's like, yeah, Terry would like to be Grosser. <laughs> yeah. You know, he doesn't yeah. actually want to have the restrictions of having of having to kowtow to, you know, <clears throat> ordinary citizens who'd never grew up here and Paul trying to sell things off. Like the bit where Martin says, uh, so you authorized to use deadly force? And he tries to <laughs> beat around the bush and goes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just like yes, and then Martin, that's the point when Martin's like, after a two week training course, and then you're like, that's it, he's out. Martin's out of that conversation, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, yeah. so like Terry doing this with the car is almost like a, a natural follow on. It's a very nice little touch, and you yeah, feel like just... Terry, Terry would join the union. I think the uh, yeah. <laughs> union definitely. <laughs> yes, he would because yeah. it made life easier. Would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, he wouldn't have any idea why how a union works, but yeah, he would. That'd be great. Um, yeah, we get, um, you know, Martin apologizing to, to Paul for kind of fucking up the, uh, uh, the, uh, sale of, of the house and, mm-hmm. um, Paul kind of coming clean about his role in, uh, the, the sale of Martin's mom's house. And, uh, we, we're also getting a message to Rudy. Yes. I was going to mention coming, that. Cranking up in, in this moment, which, um. I think it it just resets everything in it like we're we're moving away from this like weird whole weird scene and and we're going back to the staple of the movie we're we're back to that standard tone of the film and I think the music scoring does that really nicely for us here. I love love the sound. I'm sure you've talked about this many many times already, but the soundtrack for this film is so good. I I I'd, I'd kind of forgotten until I rewatched it for the podcast, and it's just so good. Just so many classic tunes in there. I'm a big specials fan, so I definitely glad I, <laughs> glad I came on this episode for that. It's, yeah, yeah, wonderful tune. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, specials, uh, English beat, you know. Mm-hmm it's the clash it's 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 just it's a it's a whole roster of incredible music um and british soundtrack yeah i was gonna say that yeah it's quite british soundtrack 
Which, which, is, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I get that's Cusack's preference. It's his, this is the stuff he loves, and yes, it's the taste. stuff that. <laughs> but yeah, also, yeah, it's Joe Strummer, right? Like, I mean, if yeah. if Joe Strummer's involved, then he's going to call on what he knows, and that and that's very much the the British scene with some Caribbean influence, right? Like we do have Johnny yeah. Nash right at the start, and and that's, yeah. I mean, he was American, but most of his career, most of his fame, and and certainly, you know, the the period that we're looking at in this film it comes from being out in Jamaica. Mm, mm. Um, but so. but isn't I, I think that's the thing about all of this is that I was saying in a previous episode that <clears throat> this scene here around the house sale, I found it ironic that post LA riots, you know, the the renter cop is responding to a white guy in a black suit, right? And I thought there was a certain irony there socially, and and the music kind of reinforces that, doesn't it? Because uh, Cusack and, the, and and his mates all this was their idea of rebellious music where they yeah, were yeah. this was the counterculture for them even though over here it crossed over into the beat to become the mainstream yeah and it I was gonna say, it, yeah yeah i was gonna say in a way it might be reaching a bit but they kind of uh, outside of music in a way as well like not necessarily just literally from other countries but um but there's a bit of punk in there and, and mm-hmm. things like that or and uh, it's it's again considered outside the mainstream which like martin mm-hmm. blank he's kind of stepped away from it all it might yeah. be reaching to see, but they're probably no, just you're not because it's reaching. cool. But <laughs> no, 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 yeah. you're not reaching it at all. We we yeah. we've been looking into this, and actually, this is the sort of stuff Cusack's talked about. I mean, funnily enough, it's a lot easier to find stuff on the soundtrack than it is on <laughs> the aspects of the film. A lot of music websites over the years, magazines have done like done features on it, and um, it is very much as you say. It is very much as you say, and I think that's incredibly interesting. Uh, to me, because I've been to America a few times, and I remember, uh, I remember offending uh, my boss one time when we were driving to a lunch at a restaurant. In, this is in Houston. She's Greek. She was Greek. Well, she still is, obviously. But um, I don't want for anyone. But she's Greek. Greek, she's Greek Italian from Texas. We're going to a Vietnamese restaurant, and she's playing the Verve in the car, and I'm like, huh. We're playing the verb in Texas. This is weird. And she's like, oh, this is my college days. This is what sort of stuff I listened to. And I was, my brain was ticking over trying to remember what college rock was like at that time and trying to, try to get my head around it. And I was like, well, if there's one thing that doesn't change over about 20-ish plus years in America is that there's always this tension in their college rock between, which kind of we kind of had over here for some of our university radio, where you have American indie bands and you know, guitar-based sounds, and then you have a British sound, and it's it, it will, will be in contrast to that. But it always goes back and forth, right? They're 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 either into their, you know, for 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 for, um, for Cusack at the time, you know, given that America still had at that time, it's a mix of, you know, metal and glam pop and like overegged former seventies countryish stuff like Fogelberg, and you know, everything is very much. Either there's not a lot of stuff that sounds like the area they're from. There's not a lot of stuff that's local to Chicago. You know, a lot of the stuff that's about to explode from Chicago hasn't yet gone. You know, we want Big yeah. Black and the other guys at this not quite there yet. So I think I, it makes sense that his his era, his generation, looked to England and they looked to punk and they looked to everything that was linked to punk. Um, but of course, that never ever really truly changes the American mainstream. You know, it's it's like, or maybe maybe I suppose yeah. I mean, I think there's still some some bands that are notably missing from this soundtrack. If you if you're thinking about it purely in that context, you would still see some Pearl Jam, some Gin Blossoms. Um, I think. Oh, what I you think, mean for when this is made? Well, for for when they were graduating 
Not high Pearl school. Jam. That'd be. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, Singles is what ninety three as a film, which is, is the first time late? you see. Pearl... Yeah, uh, yeah, no, because I was because this was sorry. This is my this was my stuff when I was back then. I remember mm. I remember being into sub pop just before grunge hit. Um, and Maybe off on if... both of those then. Not by a lot, not by a lot, but I th- I, I think Cusack's definitely trying to yeah. keep an 80s vibe going. Yeah, yeah. It, you're right. It's, it's quite late 70s, though, isn't it? I think it's more, it's that's what I did surprise me, though, is it does feel like um, it's, um, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's what point. they listen to in the film is before what 10 years, well, well 1987, it's all pre 1987, most of it. Um, no, that's a good point. You've got a really good point there, David. Yeah, so it's actually. Rudy, Stuff that like is late seventy nine as well. I don't know, but um, so I think it's more so, John Cusack's real music that you listen to at that age. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to say. Yeah. So we've got this this Rudy interesting Ka- yeah. kind of wow. Yeah, a little bit of a retro really, vibe. Yeah, that's the clash, isn't it? I'm getting the clash in the specials mixed up. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So it's not even. Yeah. They're so well off being yeah, ten yeah. years before. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I get. I guess. I guess we have to just put the file that under the same issue as all of them not looking like the right <laughs> age either. For it. Yeah. The music's wrong. The age is wrong. Yeah. I realize, but, yeah. 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 Although I realise it's said it's by the specials, but I'm getting it totally mixed up. No, that's this. It's a Clash song, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, scrap. There is also. Um, there is some there specials is a, in there. I there think, is some specials. Yes, yeah. there um, is. Yeah. It's not Golden Brown. It's. Um, Oh, that's going to bug me now. <laughs> I'm going to flip the soundtrack up now as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it is also interesting that a film with this plot and this kind of style is the one Strummer cho- is, is is happy to work on. Like, he spent so long not letting anyone use The Clash for soundtrack work, you know? He was just very adamant about it. And of course, Cusack made a personal a plea to him to be involved with this, at which point he was happy to come on board, get involved, do bits and pieces. But I always find it interesting that this is the film that tweaks his his enthusiasm, you know? I, I like it just like if you said to me, hey, what kind of film do you think Joe Strummer likes? I would not have said the script of Gross Point Blank. That would just not have been the thing I would have gone for. You know, he like you know, but I mean the only thing he was in was um oh God, wasn't he in that Alex Cox's famously disastrous spaghetti western that had the pogues in it, uh, Straight oh, to Hell. It, isn't he in? Is he in Mystery Train as well? I think he's in Mystery. Oh Train. yeah, he's in Mystery yeah. Train. Yes, yeah, exactly. Do you see what I mean? I, yeah. he, it's all super indie stuff, right? Hmm. Whereas this fits very much more with the '90s post indie crime vibe. But I guess maybe that. Hey, you know, we get we we benefit. I'm not complaining in the slightest. I just I'm just fascinated by the fact that this was his choice. You know. Ghost Town is the special track that features <sighs> in the film. Argue, arguably, and pressure, pressure drop yeah. as well. As Colin says, looked at the soundtrack. Yeah. yeah, I do feel like Ghost Town is just oh, it's aged so well. It's just oh, it's still relevant, it's still accurate, still about <laughs> yeah. depressingly so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true, true. But it's it it's funny though, right? Because uh, you know. A lot of my friends over here that that have listened to Ghost Town and, and you know like the song and sing along to it totally miss the subtext of that. that oh, really? I feel like I feel like the context of that is a very specifically British context. Yeah, true. Right? it could it could be applied to Detroit. I think Detroit is a good application of that song. 
Um, but it's it's not universal to other parts of America in the same way, right? That that decimation mm-hmm. of industry in in huge swathes of the UK happened differently in the in the US, and oh, so yeah. it doesn't resonate as a you know as a political message in the way you know it still does as a as a piece of music. I feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. One hundred percent. So yeah. So in this min- in once. Terry's gone, and we were, uh, you were saying in a previous minute, Dev, that you felt uncomfortable the way, and I think, David, you mentioned this as well, this idea of Paul basically laying the blame for the failure to close the deal on, or completely on Terry. I, what I like in this minute is how Martin tries, wait, once Terry's gone, Martin's happy to try and go, I'm sorry, I think I didn't help kind of thing. Like he realizes that the, his attempt at honesty didn't help either. He fesses up, yeah. and it's Paul who's kind of like, "Okay, I've, my friend has only just got back into town. What do I do here?" There's a look on his face, like, uh, like he wants to explode at him. And he I doesn't. I, I don't. I'm not sure. I agree. I I feel like, okay. especially with the way that he reacts as Terry peels out with the like, "Wow," is mm. in in Paul's mind, all of this is entirely Terry's fault. Like mm. Martin is blameless. He's not even really hearing the apology. It's it's just mm. you know he's mm. he's still like frustrated mm. with Terry in his head, and then he's just like shake it off, come clean about you know um, selling the house and try to get a family in there. But Altamont made the best offer. Um, yeah, well that that's the just, thing, isn't it? That's yeah, where we're heading, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No fair um, point. Yeah, and, and yeah. that's he an interesting. Get mad at him, can he? No, and that's the thing. I, I think it. okay. that relationship is so asymmetric that he he just isn't isn't capable of it. And I think we're going to be able to reinforce that at the, the tail end of this minute as as they drive by Debbie's house, right? Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the 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 ultimate piece is kind of an interesting one. It's it's just like this weird throwaway line that mm-hmm. I can't imagine if if that had really like if that had played out in reality. Mm-hmm. You'd ever be able to just like pass it off in that in that way, yeah. Especially because mm-hmm. they, well, I guess it's probably done done because of this, but because it's made it made quite a big deal out of it earlier on. And I guess you don't want to keep laboring it in the film, but and, but at the same time, because they make a big deal out of it early on, you're right. It's weird how it's thrown away suddenly in that line, but yeah, I don't know. And I, I think it works just because it's it's bringing that tone back to a lighter level again, right? Like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. true, yeah. After the scene, it helps just break things and, and move the tension, like, release the tension and, and get us back on on track with the film. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But it it almost... It didn't need to be him that there was the realtor involved, right? No, like, no. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then we kind of turn the corner and uh, creep up on Debbie's house, and it this is an interesting moment for me because this is like paul is obviously the broker for this sale and he's like this is the 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 crown jewel in his portfolio at the moment right like this Mm -hmm. is one of the premier houses in in gross point it's a huge house on like sizable grounds like its own kind of walled off fencing um and he's he's showing off right to to martin like this is this is the big shot I am now is like I'm involved in in selling this house and Martin doesn't see any of that he's just like it's Debbie's house um, mm. 
and 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 uh, that that pitch of Paul to be like, you know, to the guy that he admires, like I'm the big shot now, just mm. misses, like misses misses its mark completely. Mm. Yeah, but like it just it just adds insult to injury, doesn't it? Right? He's just told him, yeah. "Oh yeah, I'm I'm the one who sold your house." Yeah. You know, now I'm selling her house, and yeah. just you know, it, it, at this point, it's just like what's going on. And then, of course, you know, yeah, that that's just I, I'm I'm surprised Martin didn't blow up even more at that point. But I guess by this point, he's getting used to it. Yeah, give it in. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, his response, you know, oh, thanks for profiting off my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> it's such, a, you know, like clearly he's just gone. Oh, great, I got to live with this now. One thing we didn't mention just. Is um in that pre? Oh, I've gone clicked to the wrong thing. Uh, there's quite a random, like, um, well, not totally random, but as they just as they head off to the car, you get quite a quite a nice kind of crane shot. It's a bit, of, it's got a bit of an old fashioned feel about it, an old Hollywood crane shot, especially with that lamppost in the middle, gives it a mm. I know singing in the rain sort of vibe or something. I, I find I find that shot quite unusual. It, it, I mean, it's not a weird shot, but it feels slightly odd in the film. Um, it's as I say, it's got a bit of an old classic yeah. feel to it yeah it's one of those few moments where you can actually it's like you usually get a crane on yeah. a big grand moment they're just getting in a car to go somewhere <laughs> it's not really yeah yeah it's, it's, it's a bit odd it it reminds of me like of um 10 things i hate about you 10 things i hate about you does mm. it in a couple of places either going in or coming out like for that the transitions but they're like as you say like they're they're big moments right it's the beginning mm. of the film the end of the film and here it's just randomly inserted you know. and it's not even really i mean it, it kind of is the end of a scene but it leads this next bit is leading directly into each other they're still in yeah. the car they're still having this conversation so it's, it doesn't even feel like the end of a scene so it, it just mm. it is a bit odd that shot i mean it's uh yeah i do i do appreciate a nice crane shot but it's an odd place to put it. <laughs> it's a really odd I, place I, to put it i do wonder if that's how they decided to deal because for me look that when i came back across it for this for our recording i was just kind of thinking to myself that pulling back make because it's on the very moment where paul's admitting to what he's done in relation to the ultimate i kind of wonder if that's the whole point because we can't see martin's face so maybe it was tacked on that line yeah yeah i i feel like i oh, feel you mean like the reaction sorry yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah like, like like making distance... a smaller deal yeah yeah removing, it's not yeah. it should be a really big deal but actually we're pulling back from it because so is he he's yeah. just because the, and and the fact that the scene ends specifically after he says thanks for not thanks for profiting off my childhood like uh, okay so he's not going to lose his temper he's not going to attack him he's not going to hurt him he's not going to do any of the things that we think he might but and and that's him growing that's him yeah. learning right that's him yeah. you know going okay fine you know what, yeah you know what can I change what can I not change and and also recognizing his friend because like the, guess what he lacks loads in this film up until this point his and, actual friends yeah and all through this up to this point we've got paul talking about what he does and what he's been up to paul still doesn't know what martin does for a living mm, he's mm. about to find out but at this mm. point he has no idea he doesn't have that that sense of fear right he's had this opportunity that most other characters that find out don't of mm. you know getting to know what martin's like nowadays and that he's not so different to what he was like in high school before there's this like drop of like and this is what i do for a living now hmm. absolutely absolutely um but yeah it is and but yeah then it just 
the fact, and, and I think it's just then reinforced by the whole business of prime property being Debbie's house. Although the irony of saying, you know, hey, you should have a look at this. I've got a property you might be interested in. It's like, why exactly? You want to buy it so you own where Debbie lives? You just Is he just trying to get him to talk about Debbie? I don't know. I find it, I, it yeah. I, I think it's like, you know, uh, he's, uh, you know, it's kind of like an a bit of a I won kind of vibe like ah i i'm the one that's like still involved in this kind of a thing Ah, i still have that relationship maybe i never thought of it like that but yeah maybe maybe. yeah yeah that's kind of interesting actually as a take on it um the other thing it does visually is it 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 sets us up for later on so we can recognize yeah the place yeah. Uh, yeah, which is also you know, which is hand, handy visual foreshadowing. But yeah, from a plot point of view, it's definitely a character point in, in regards to Paul. Yeah. All right. Okay. Anything else on this one? Uh, I think that's it, really. Okay, so this was <clears throat> minute thirty-nine of the Gross Point Bank podcast, Debbie Radio seventy-nine point five FM, featuring your co-hosts, co-writers, and co-producers, myself, Hugh David, and Dev Sodiger. Today's guest, as he has been all of this week, is David Brook. David, where can we find out more about you and what you're doing? And you uh... can <laughs> you can find out more about me at blueprintreview.co.uk. And uh, yeah, follow us at Facebook and uh, Twitter, X, whatever. Um, yeah, and check us out on there. Fantastic. You can find us on all good podcast players, as well as on YouTube, uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, and Spotify. And for all of those things, we are at Debbie Radio. That's D-E-B-I Radio. Uh, and you can uh, find us also on our website, DebbieRadio.com. Again, D-E-B-I. And finally, if you want to talk to us, come and join the Facebook listeners group, Debbie Radio 79.5 FM Fan Club. Once again, D-E-B-I Radio. Sure was clear that all of this was new. Concentrating hard like a little girl smoking for the first time. It wasn't a moment. It was a feeling of mood.